welcome you. We pray our prayers that God would touch your heart and bless you today because he's a good God. Hallelujah. Thanks again. So here in a little bit, we'll hear a message from our elder, uh, um, Edward Romero. Excuse me, Edward. Went blank there. And uh, he has a powerful message for us today. And we also have a, 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 an announcement that I want to invite Marcos to share with us. Marcos, would you share with us about SoulCon Ministry? Thank you, Marcos. Let's hear from Marcos. Good morning, everybody. So in uh, November of last year, the Lord blessed me with the opportunity to uh, join a men's ministry uh, named SoulCon. And what it is, it's a global men's ministry. It's a digital ministry that's seeking to raise up warriors for Christ. Um, it has a six-week challenge that we did. Uh, James Delgado and myself did in November. And then um, that was Challenge Oscar. Uh, this six-week challenge, we're, we're about to wrap it up. This is our last week coming in. We had a few other members from the church that were able to join us. This challenge was Papa. We had Edward uh, Romero join us. Michael and Marcos joined us. Josh and James again, myself. But um, we have another challenge coming up on April 15th. And we're wanting to reach out to the men of the church to join us. This is a life-changing ministry. The ministry is based off of Luke 9.23 where the Lord says, If anybody desires to come after me, let him deny himself, pick up his cross daily, and follow me. And that's what the ministry is rooted in. It's a group of men locking shields together, learning to live with their soul in control. Soul con, with their soul in control. Their mind, will, and emotions in control of the Holy Spirit. And I got to tell you, the Lord's using Sulcon as a hammer to break down walls, to break down barriers. There's men coming together to, to discuss tough issues, to discuss things that I've never heard discussed anywhere else, but that run rampant through society. And Sulcon's teaching us to die to our flesh, to put down the fork that feeds our flesh, and to pick up our cross daily. And I got to tell you, men, it's a men's ministry, but if you feel like the Lord has something more for you, if you're tired of just coming to church on Sundays and then living your life the rest of the week, if you feel like you're being called to a higher purpose, I want to tell you the Lord will use this ministry, will use this as a tool to grow you, to break down barriers in your life. But you have to be able to, like Joni said earlier, you have to take that step out of the boat. You have to be able to respond to the Lord when he's calling you. And I believe there's many men in this place and throughout Santa Fe that the Lord's calling you to something greater. And I want to invite you guys to join us um, after service. Amy will have some brochures if you're interested or you can come talk to me. But please, guys, take that step of faith. Step out and be willing to put yourself on the line to let the Lord change you, to let the Lord move you in a mighty way. He's raising up leaders in the church. He's raising up priests of our home. Our first ministry is to our home. And this ministry is teaching us to focus on that, to focus on the call of the Lord in our lives. Thank you guys for giving me the opportunity to share. Thank you, Marcos, for sharing. SoulCon, praise God. We have other um, things coming up this, during the week. On Wednesday evening, we have Bible studies. So uh, check out your bulletin, see what's happening this week at the light. We don't want you to miss out on anything. So at this time, we would like to uh, take up our tithes and offerings. Gentlemen, we'll prepare our hearts for this time of ministry.
Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask his blessing upon these tithes and offerings. Heavenly Father, you have blessed us abundantly. Even this morning, Lord God, I know that you have opened up the windows of heaven and poured out your goodness and your love upon us, Lord God. You have made us a blessed people, Lord God. And Lord, that's a witness of how much you love us and how good you are to us, Lord God. Lord, we just ask that you would bless these tithes and offerings, Lord God, that you'd use them in this place and even around the world, Lord God, in missions. And may it be, bring glory to you, Lord God, and to your name. And we ask this in your name. Amen. Welcome to the Light and Mission Viejo. If you are new to our church, please visit our Welcome Center where you will receive a gift bag and a mug. March Madness Mexico Missions is doing a March Madness fundraiser. All month we will be collecting clothing, toys, bedding, shoes, and household goods. We are working with savers who will pay us by the pound for all that we collect. You may drop off these items here at the church office as soon as possible. Soul Con Challenge we are bringing a new men's ministry here to this church called Solcon. This is a six-week Christian challenge for men to walk through in groups of two or more. This challenge includes reading the Word of God, reading the Solcon Challenge book, doing daily exercises, dieting, and feasting days. The men will also be meeting Tuesday evenings at 6.30 in the conference room. If you have any questions, please contact or leave a message for Marcos Esquivel at 982-2080. Young Family Small Group Are you stuck in a rut? Our Young Family Small Group has begun a five-part series titled Unstuck by Francis Chan. This series is designed to help guide you out of the ruts and pitfalls that so often ensnare us all. Our Young Families Group meets Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. If you have any questions about this study, please leave a message for James or Cassandra Delgado at 982-2080. Pro-Life Rally The Bible says in Proverbs 31, 8-9 to speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Ensure justice for those being crushed. Yes, speak up for the poor and the helpless and see that they get justice. Church, there will be a pro-life rally at the Roundhouse Santa Fe Legislature on Wednesday, March 13th from 12 to 2. This is our last chance to rise up and stand firm as we rally and pray and intercede on behalf of these precious babies. If you cannot attend, please send someone in your place or instead a group together to stand for those babies who need our voice and to stand up for them and ensure justice. Homeless Ministry Homeless Ministry joins together every third Saturday of the month. This month, we will be meeting on Saturday, March the 16th. We will be preparing the food at the church from 9 to 11.30 and serving at Pete's Place by noon. Please join us for either or both of these opportunities to feed the poor. Women's Brunch We will be having our monthly Women's Brunch on Saturday, March the 23rd at 10 a.m. 
Our special guest speaker is, will be Mercy Allery. She will be visiting us from Passion Church from Albuquerque. Ladies, mark your calendars. Thank you for joining us at The Light at Mission Viejo. We hope you enjoy the service. Good morning. You know, we have so many things going on this morning. And one of them is I want to bring Frank to the front. Uh, we want to lift up uh, James Delgado, his mom. He was supposed to be here this morning and uh, do the opening of service, but his mom ended up in the hospital. So we want to keep him in prayer this morning. Good morning, church. I just wanted to thank all of you for all your prayers. I have a praise report to share with you. My brother Toby left the hospital Friday afternoon. He's on his way back to Santa Fe today. Praise God. We lost my brother. His, he had a heart failure. He died, and they brought him back. They call it flatlining, I guess. And so that's what happened to him, and his kidneys had failed. And, and uh, the doctors can't believe that he's out of the hospital, that he's alive and well. And we just want to thank the Lord, and I want to thank all of you for your prayers. God bless you. Amen. Isn't God good? Isn't God good? We're also, I know, I, I know we did this earlier, but we're also celebrating a birthday this morning. A very special lady turns 85 today. Happy birthday. God bless you. Marquita Mar turns 85 years old today. It's her birthday. Her, her, her daughter said the birthday keeps on going and going. Amen. You guys know what that's like. You know, um, <clears throat> God is so good. This morning I'm reminded of a story of two young boys and parents couldn't control them. They didn't know what to do with them. Uh, the dad would try everything he knew. The mom would try everything she knew. And they were just, wherever they went, they were a ruckus. They were causing trouble. They were always in trouble at school, always getting into trouble at home. They couldn't go to the grocery store without getting into something. The dad had finally had it and he said, you know what, that's it. I think I'm going to take him to the minister at the church and have them pray for him, have them talk to him. Maybe they, maybe they can do something about him. So they take him to the church and they put him in the pastor's office and the pastor looks at him and says, young man, do you know why you're here today? And he's really scared sitting in the seat, doesn't know what to say. And he says, where is God? Tell me, where is God? And the little guy starts to freak out. He starts to cry a little bit and runs out, the, runs out of the minister's office, runs all the way home, and his brother finds him hiding in the shed. And he says, what's wrong? What's wrong? And the only reason he found him was because he was crying and crying. And he says, I don't know what happened, but they're blaming me because God's gone. <laughs> you know, sometimes, sometimes uh, <laughs> we don't know what kind of people we work with, but, you know, God always has a plan. Uh, this morning also, uh, for those of you that uh, um, pledge to the building fund, we want to also remind you that uh, we're getting closer and closer to having, uh, Pastor Ron updated us a, a week ago, told us that the electrical has already gone in, they've already poured the slabs and the concrete on the top floor, and we're getting, and we're moving forward. I think they're already at the point, at the point where they're taping and texturing, and we're about ready to go on that. So praise God if you've given to that, we want to thank you. God is good. I know we're all excited to have a place that we can uh, cook in and eat. That's one of my favorite. It's one of my favorite uh, parts of the day. You know, um, I want to thank Marcos because he was obedient to God and 
And uh, he joined the SoulCon Challenge, and he kept telling me about it. The first time he was, he was trying to sell me on it, and I, it just didn't sound that good to me. I mean, I'll be honest with you. Working out and not eating, it didn't sound that good to me. He started telling me, you know, we're denying the flesh, and uh, it, it didn't really sound that good to me. Well, I joined him this time, and I want to tell you something. There's something that, the, that, that we learn in SoulCon, and that's me versus me for him. And I think, um, you know, it's not so much about denying your flesh the food. It's about getting a closer relationship with God. And I can honestly say that for these past five weeks, we're, in our, we're just finishing up our fifth week, starting our, our sixth week. Um, God has done amazing things. I have I found myself doing things, challenging, my, challenging myself in ways that I hadn't done before. Um, I like to think, like most of you, that I'm okay, I'm a good Christian. But then I do something like this, and I realize that, you know, there's always room for improvement. God has moved in my life. He's I've been challenged to read scripture, to forgive, to um, confront the issues in my life. And this morning, if you're thinking about joining SoulCon, I want to strongly encourage you. It's, it's just an, an, an amazing time where men can come together and deal with the issues that we have. Young or old, it doesn't matter. There is a physical challenge, but I know that God can do all things. And it's not so much the physical as more the spiritual challenge. <clears throat> so this morning, I want to, uh, if you guys will turn with me, we're going to go to Numbers chapter 6. Actually, we're not going to go there. We're going to go to Judges chapter 14. And we're going to go ahead and start in verse 5. We talk about Samson this morning. <laughs> talk about Samson this morning. Samson is one of those guys in the Bible that I really learned about young when I was young. I mean, if you haven't heard about Samson, uh, hopefully you'll hear, hear something about him this morning. But if you have heard about Samson, I'm a big, I'm a huge superhero fan. Okay, I, I mean, Captain Marvel came out, and I, I was so looking forward to go see it with my grandson, and my son-in-law beat me to it. Felt like knocking him out yesterday. But I was so looking forward to go see it because I've passed on the love that I have for superheroes to him. And if you ask my, my grandson, he'll tell you every villain. He'll tell you every superhero what they can do. And, you know, it's, it's just something that I'd like to share with him. It's something that I really love. And when I begin to read about Samson, I find out that he's the strongest man that ever lived. Okay? If you read the Word of God, he's the strongest man that ever lived. He was, had the strength of ten men. He could do some pretty amazing things. And I always thought, what would it be like to be so strong? What would it be like if I could go somewhere? I, there, there's a story in the Bible where, where, where he's in hiding and it's the midnight hour and they've come to take him captive and he tears the gates of the city off and carries him on his back. I mean, he rips him off with poles and everything, puts him on his back and runs into the countryside and then throws him and he's just so strong. There's, there's, there's a story that's recounted where he uh, kills a thousand men with the jawbone of an of an ass, and it's just so amazing what he can do. I'm so amazed that he's so strong and, and clever. I, I, I think as I begin to read the word, I, I realize that he wasn't just strong. He must have been really fast, and we'll get into that in just a second. But I'm going to go ahead and start in Judges chapter. I've entitled my, my lesson this morning, Our Worst Enemy. Have you ever thought who your worst enemy is? Honestly, have you ever thought about who your worst enemy is? You know, some of us as, as Christians, we would want to say Satan. We don't want to say that he's always there. He's, he's like a thief lying in wait, wanting to kill, steal, and destroy. But, you know, as, as I read the story of Samson, I come to find that I'm a lot more like him. It's really easy <clears throat> after I read the story of Samson growing up. I was disappointed with the ending. 
to you know you 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 jump ahead to the end and you and you see that Samson got defeated and I was just so disappointed with the ending thinking that how could, how could this man who was so strong fail so bad and you know being the man that I am I start to criticize and think that if I would have had that strength, that never would have happened to me. If I would have been him, I would, that would have never allowed that to happen to me. But I realize today that I'm a lot more like Samson than I care to say or admit. And I think we all are. And I think we're, we're going to go through this. Um, who is our worst enemy? Judges chapter 14, we're going to start in verse 5. So Samson was a Nazarite. He was... Offered up to God when he was very young, um, an angel of the Lord appeared to his mom and told him, told her that he would be strong, that he was set apart. He was to be different than anyone else. He couldn't touch wine. He wasn't allowed to cut his hair. And he wasn't allowed to get close to a dead body. So those were the three things that God told him that he couldn't do. He couldn't drink strong drink. He couldn't, he couldn't drink wine or, or fermented drink. He couldn't touch an unclean body, a dead body, and he couldn't cut his hair. And his mom raised him, his parents raised him in this way, that he, passing on to him what he needed to know in order to succeed, letting him know that God had separated him. God had a purpose for his life, and God had separated him for this one purpose. And I'm going to go down into Judges chapter 14, verse 5 through 9. Samson went down to Timnah together with his father and mother, as they approached the vineyards of Timnah, suddenly a young lion came roaring towards him. The Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him, so that he tore the lion apart with his bare hands, as he might have torn a young goat. But he told neither his father nor his mother what he had done. Verse 8. Sometime later, when he went back to marry her, he turned aside and looked at the lion's carcass. And in it he saw a swarm of bees and some honey. Again, he can't touch dead things. He scooped out the honey with his hands and ate it and went along. He rejoined his parents. He gave them some and they too ate it. But he did not tell them that he, where he had taken the honey from, that he had taken the honey from the lion's carcass. Backing up just a bit to verse 1 through 4. Now Samson went down to Timnah and saw a woman in Timnah of, his, of the daughters of the Philistines. So he went up and told his father and mother, saying, I have seen a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. Now therefore, get her for me as a wife. Then his father and mother said to him, Is there no woman among the daughters of your brethren or among all my people that you must go and get a wife from the, uncirc from this, from the uncircumcised Philistines? And Samson said to his father, get her for me, for she pleases me well. That's Samson's first fall. I think he's more concerned with pleasing himself than he is pleasing God. And I feel as Christians sometimes we're more concerned with what God has. We're more concerned with what we can do to fulfill our fleshly lusts, our desires, than we are in fulfilling what God wants us to do. And I look at Samson and it's easy to judge him when he sees that, but if I examine my own life, if you examine your own life, I think we're much the same way. We try to fulfill the desires of our flesh. We try to fulfill the desires that we have before we fulfill the need that God has for us or the call that God has for us. Amen? You guys awake? Okay. 
Verse 10. Now his father went down to see the woman, and there Samson held a feast as was customary for young men. When the people saw him, they chose 30 men to be his companions. Let me tell you a riddle, Samson said to them. If you, if you can give me the answer within the seven days of the feast, I will give you 30 linen garments and 30 sets of clothes. If you can't tell me the answer, you must give me 30 linen garments and 30 sets of clothes. The Philistines, because, you know, they're, the Philistines said, tell us your riddle, they said, let us hear it. Challenge taken. He replied, out of the eater something to eat, out of the strong something sweet. For three days they could not give the answer. On the fourth day, he said to, they said to Samson's wife, coax your husband into explaining the riddle for us, or we will burn you and your father's household to death. Did you invite us here to steal our property? Then Samson's wife threw herself on him, sobbing, You hate me. You don't really love me. You give my people a riddle, but you haven't told them the answer. I mean, I'm just, you know, women sometimes, I tell you. I'm not going to go any further. I haven't even explained it to my mother or father, he replied. So why should I explain it to you? She cried the whole seven days. Man, she cried the whole seven days of the feast. On the seventh day, he finally told her, because she continued to press him, she in turn explained the riddle to her people. <coughs> you know, Samson's downfall and his mistake was that he listened to women. <laughs> he would listen to a nagging woman. I'm not, thank God my woman's not like that. But you know, when there's a nagging woman in your life, oh my gosh, you just want, whatever, it, after, after seven days, I could see why Samson gave her that information. Seven days of nagging and crying, I'm like, okay, here, here you go, whatever you want, have it, just be done with it, I don't want it anymore. I can understand why he did what he did. And that's one of his downfalls, is he always played into the enemy, he wasn't strong enough to stand on his own or strong enough to know that he, who he was in Christ, who he was in God. That he, this is the strongest man on earth, and yet a nagging woman can bring him down. Amen? It goes on in Judges chapter 15 that uh, he, uh, what happens is that he gives his wife, the information, and she shares it with the Philistines. They, in turn, respond, and they solve the riddle, and Samson got upset, and I think this is a kind of a, this is kind of a crazy uh, verse. Verse 18, now, I'm, I'm not, don't ever, ever do this. If you're a man and you're married, remember, you do not want to do this. If you have not plowed with my heifer, you would not have solved my riddle. Never want to call your wife a heifer. He knew what was wrong. He knew what he had done. He knew who had ratted him out. He knew who had told what was going on. And yet, sometimes we have to understand that God allows us to go through certain things. Because he wants, he wants us to grow. When we go through hardship, 
There's a, God has a purpose for our hardship. God allows us to go through things. Hopefully that when we go through a trial that something has happened in our lives, we can look back, turn back to that point and say, oh, that happened. Uh, put a note in your notebook. Note to self. Don't ever trust a crying woman. Note to self. When she starts to complain that you don't love me, don't trust that woman. And I would think that he began to put a note in his mind and in his heart of what began to happen. But Samson was a little bit different, and I think he's a lot like us because we seem to forget, we tend to forget the things that God teaches us. We tend to forget the things, the, the learning processes in our lives. We sometimes step over them. We look at them as a bad point in our lives, and we step over them, and we continue forward not taking what God has used in our path and learned from it. Goes on to say in verse 15 that, uh, chapter 15, I'm sorry. Uh, we find that he went back to go get his wife. He got upset. He went to go kill the Philistine. He went to go get 30, clo the 30 clo uh, sets of clothes that he had promised. He got it by doing this. The Bible says that he was so angry that the Spirit of the Lord filled him. He went out and he killed 30 Philistines and took their clothes and delivered it to, the, to pay his debt. Now, no, now, again, he shouldn't be near death or dead bodies, and yet he's over there. He's slaying in, in his anger. He's slaying the enemy. And the Bible says that even, even though he was wrong, in my heart I feel like Samson acted out of anger. He acted out of pride. He was trying to give a riddle. He was, I don't know if he was trying to fit in. But in his anger, he went out and he killed Philistines. And I would think that at this point, God would say, okay, Samson, you're on your own. You've done something that, that I didn't really approve of. But God had a plan and a purpose. And in verse, I'm, I'm just going to back up real quick. In verse 19, then the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. He went down to Ashkelon, struck down 30 of their men, stripped them of everything, and gave their clothes to those that, who had explained the riddle. Burning with anger, he returned to his father's home. So even... Even though he had done something that I feel may have been prideful, that may have been out of step or out of order with the Lord, the Word of God says that the Lord still blessed him. The Spirit of God came upon him and gave him the strength to defeat the enemy, to fulfill the promise that he had made to those 30 men. Then he goes down and he's going and talk, talking to the, he goes back to go meet his wife. He, had, he was so angry he didn't even get to get his wife. He goes back to get his wife and his father replies to him, I was so sure you hated her, he said, I gave her to your companion. Samson said to them, this time I have a right to get even with the Philistines. I will really harm them. So he went out and caught 300 foxes and tied them tail to tail in pairs. Then he fastened a torch to every pair of tails, lit the torches and let the foxes loose in the standing grain of the Philistines. He burned up the shocks and standing grain together with the vineyards and olive groves. Now, I say that not only was Samson strong, but with the, in the time period that he was in, I can't see Samson catching 300 foxes on a four-wheeler or, you know, going out there and sitting. I don't know how he did it, but in a short amount of time, he caught 300 foxes. He was strong enough. And I don't know if you guys have ever seen a, an animal that's been captured. When an animal's been captured, it's not very nice. It's going to want to bite you. It's going to want to fight you. It's fighting for its life. And here Samson gets two foxes, ties a rope between them, ties them together, puts a torch on, and then sends them out. He had a certain way that I would wonder, 
what was he thinking? Was he wise? Was he, what was he thinking? How did God allow him to think this way? And when I start to think of the things that Samson did, like I said, it's easy to judge why he would do what he did. But God had a way, had a purpose for Samson, and it was being fulfilled in everything he did, whether he knew it or not. Because of what had happened, because, of, because the foxes went out, and they burned down the grain, and they burned down the stalks and the vineyards and everything else, the Philistines got so upset that they went and they found out why Samson had done this. They went to his father-in-law and his daughter, and they burned him in fire. Samson got so upset, again, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him as, as 3,000 men went to approach Samson and take him down. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he began to fight them and beat them, and he finally got to a place where he was in the land of Judah with the Israelites, and he was hiding in a cave. Well, the Israelites saw him, and they said, Samson, what have you done? The Philistines are coming, and they're really upset. Surely they're going to kill us. And Samson says, I'm sorry, I'll tell you what, don't kill me, just go ahead and hand me back to the Philistines, hand me to the Philistines. So he makes a deal with them and they tie him up in some rope and they lead him out to a rock right before the Philistines and the Philistines come up and they're ready to take their vengeance on him. And the word of God says that Samson looks down and finds the jawbone of an ass and he begins to fight the Philistines and he fights them and he fights them. The Spirit of the Lord comes upon him, this is physically impossible for man only by the grace of God, only by the strength of God, I believe is a man able to do this. And he fights for who knows how long. It must I don't know if it was a couple of minutes. It couldn't have been a couple of minutes because the number is outrageous. He killed 1,000 men. And I can't imagine 1,000 men coming at me with their swords, with their spears, with their shields. And all I have in my hand is the jawbone of an ass. I mean, if I see that many men coming at me, I know that that is not my weapon of choice. I got to have me an AR-15. I got to have me all kinds of clips. I'm, I'm ready to go. I mean, I was in the military. I know. I know what it would take to bring down that kind of odds. And here we go, and Samson picks up the jawbone of an ass, and for hours he fights the enemy, and when he is done, he, kill, he slayed 1,000 Philistines. And God began to use him because God was going to use Samson. He was the judge that was to lead the Philistines, to guide the Philistines, I mean to, gu to guide the Israelites out of the hands of the Philistines. We go to verse 16 and the very first verse that we see, Samson goes into the city of Gaza. He sees a prostitute. The Bible says that he laid with her. And, you know, then I start to question, well, you know, again, I'm looking at this through my eyes. Is this really what the man of God would do? And it's so easy to look at someone else's life and judge them, isn't it? It's so easy to look at someone else and think, well, why would they have done that? And like I said at the beginning, this is something that, as I begin to go through the story of Samson, I begin to reflect on it and say, you know what, it re this story relates more to me and probably some of us more than we care to talk about. I see him, and right away he's enticed with the opposite sex. Then he finds a woman, he finds a woman called Delilah. And Delilah wins his heart. 
And he, I, I don't know, she must have been really, really good looking because Samson right away gave in to her. We find in verse uh, 13, actually we find in a, Verse 4, sometime later he fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, see if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him, so we may tie him up and subdue him. Each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, tell me the secret of your great strength. Oh, Samson. You're just so handsome. How did you get so strong? What did you eat? And how can you be tied up and subdued? Wow, that, 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 that right there, whoa, red flag going up. Remember back when the other woman was asking about everything? Uh, Samson obviously didn't. Samson answered her, if anyone ties me with seven fresh bowstrings that have not been dried, I become, weak as, I become as weak as any other man. Then Delilah gets mad and, you know, she plays it out, does exactly what he says, brings the Philistines in, they're waiting in hiding, and Delilah says, Samson, Samson, the Philistines are here. And he w breaks right out of those strings like they were threads, and she gets upset. Delilah tells him, you have made a fool of me, you lied to me, come on now, tell me how you can be tied. Again, something in me would be saying, uh, time to get away. But not Samson. He tries to give her another excuse. He said, if anyone ties me securely with new ropes that have never been used, I'll become as weak as any other man. So Delilah took the new ropes, tied him, brought in the Philistines. They're in hiding. And he says, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. Immediately he wakes up and breaks the ropes off. And Delilah's really getting angry. All this time you have been making a fool of me and lying to me. Tell me how you can be tied. Again, he replies to her, If you weave seven braids of my head into the fabric of the loom and tighten with the pin, I'll become as weak as any other man. So he, while he was sleeping, Delilah took the seven braids of his head, wove them into the fabric, and tightened it with a pin. I tell you what, Samson's a heavy sleeper. Ain't my wife ain't going to pull my hair at night. I don't know about you guys, but if she's trying to braid my hair at night, I'm going to know what's going. I'm going to say what's going on here. But Samson was be a really heavy sleeper. Delilah does everything that he says, uh, wove's uh, fabric in with his hair, and then again she cries out, "Samson, the Philistines are upon us!" And he comes up and right away breaks free from it, pulls free from it, and then here comes Delilah. Then she said to him. How can you say I love you when you won't confide in me? This is the third time you have made a fool of me and haven't told me the secret of your great strength. The Bible says with such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was sick to death of it. Like I said, going back to what happened earlier, I would have thought that maybe Samson would have learned something. You know, sometimes we, in life, things happen in our lives. We get addictions in our lives or we, sin comes into our life and we tend to get burned by it. Something, something bad tends to happen. And yet, 
in those moments of temptation, in those moments of trial, in those moments when we're struggling, when the enemy comes to attack us, we forget the lessons from the past and begin to fall into the sins that have been besetting us over and over and over again. The things that have kept us tied up and bound for years and years and years. Not learning how to get away from it, not knowing that the same thing that happened 10 years ago is happening again today. And we're afraid to confront it. And I look at this and I look at, and, and I compare myself to Samson and I realize I'm more like Samson than I care to say. How are you? Do we go back to the sin in our lives? Do we go back to the things that have hurt us? Back to the things that have brought us down? Because we're not aware of what God is doing in our lives. Verse 17. So he told her everything. No razor has ever been used on my head. He said, because I have been a Nazarite dedicated to God from my mother's womb. If my head were shaved, my strength would surely leave me. And I would become as weak as any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her everything, she sent word to the rulers of the Philistines, Come back once more. He has told me everything. So the rulers of the Philistines, with the silver in their hands, after putting him to sleep on her lap, she called for someone to shave off the seven braids of his hair, and so began to subdue him. And his strength left him. Then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He woke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Spirit of the Lord had left him. Then the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes, and took him down to Gaza, binding him with bronze shackles. They set him to grinding grain, grain in the prison. Here's the thing about Samson is, he allowed the enemy to come in. He gave in to the nagging of a woman. He allowed the enemy to come in. He thought everything was going to be okay. Have you guys ever done something that you're so ashamed of? Maybe it's a sin. be pride, it could be hate. Maybe you've said something to somebody that you're not proud of. Here's Samson, and I think, and he's been filled with the Spirit of the Lord in everything that he had done. In his mind, he thought he was invincible. Come along my line of thinking. In his mind, Samson thought he was invincible. He went to Delilah and he poured out his heart before her and told her exactly what his weakness was. He gave her his kryptonite. And in doing so, Delilah went and tricked him. She didn't care about him. All she cared about were the 1,100 shekels of silver that she was going to get, not from one person, but from every person that had come to her. And Samson not only lost his strength, but more importantly, he lost the Spirit of God. And he's at a place where the enemy has bound him and taken him captive. The Bible says that they gouged out his eyes. I tell you what, if you've ever been 
Like I said, this story, I look at it and it reflects who I am, what I've been through. I'm more relatable to Samson in a lot of ways than I am Peter. I'm more relatable to Samson in a lot of ways than I am Luke, Matthew, Mark, or John. See, sometimes we allow sin to come in. And we've gotten so comfortable with the sin in our lives that we're even unaware that the Spirit of God is no longer with us. We operate not in what we know or the Spirit of God, but we operate in what we think that we can do. We operate in the abilities that we have. If you're in financial need, you don't go to God. In your mind, you try to figure out a new way to get more money. If you're sick, you don't go to God. In our minds, we're looking, up, we're looking through Google trying to find the best doctor for the situation that we have. If we're addicted to drugs, we don't go to God. We look for the nearest rehab center that we can check ourselves into. Completely oblivious to the part that God has created us. He knows our needs and he knows how best to fix our situation. And Samson had put so much thought on himself. He was so full of pride that he actually felt that the strength that he had could not, could not leave him. Had he known, going back to when he was there grinding at the wheel with his eyes gouged out, guaranteed... He was thinking to himself, how did I let this happen? I should have known better. I should have known that I was going to lose all my strength. I should have known, my mom told me if I cut my hair, that my strength would leave me. I should have known. What was I thinking? You know, it's in those deep times that we're before, on our knees, at the very lowest point in our lives that we realize exactly who God is and exactly the abilities that he has given us. I can imagine Samson at night sitting before God, Lord, I'm sorry, forgive me. In anger and anguish over what he had allowed to come over his life. Verse 22 says this, but the hair on his head began to grow. Again, after it was shaved. Isn't God wonderful? Don't we serve such a mighty and loving God? That although Samson turned his back on God, not knowing that he was doing the will of the Father, turned his back on God doing the things that what pleased him, doing the things that were pleasing to him, not taking counsel from anyone, just doing exactly what he had wanted, God had every right to turn his back on Samson and say, you know what, enough is enough. You're on your own now, bud. But no, his hair began to grow. And we find in verse, uh, down in verse 26, they're having a party. The Philistines are having a party. And they're celebrating that they have these victories. And one of their biggest prizes that they have, one of the biggest prizes that they have is right in their dungeon, a man called Samson. A man that had ridiculed them, a man that had beat their armies, a man that had taken advantage of them many, many times. 
And in verse 26 it says, Samson said to the servant who held his hand, put me where I can feel the pillars that support the temple so that I may lean against them. Now the temple was crowded with men and women. All the rulers of the Philistines were there. On the roof were about 3,000 men and women watching Samson perform. Then Samson prayed to the Lord, sovereign God. Remember me, please, Lord, please, God. Strengthen me just one more time, and let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. Then Samson reached towards the two central pillars on which the temple stood, bracing himself against them, his right hand on one and his left hand on the other. Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. Then he pushed with all his might, and down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. Thus killed many more when he was when he died than when he lived. Now, at this point, I'm just really excited. Because I see that God has done something incredible. Samson cried to God. In the moment of so much shame and so much despair, he had lost everything he had had. He had lost his strength. He had lost his sight. He had lost his very pride. He's before God in a... I'm, I'm sure kneeling before God, seeking God, wondering, what could I do, God? What could I do? Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. I want to, God, if you can use me one more time, if you can do anything. And he goes before God, and he's calling before God. And he goes before him, and the Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And in the moment that he had died to himself, in the moment that he died with the Philistines, get this, in the moment that he died with the Philistines, he killed more Philistines in that day than he did his entire life. Think about it. In the moment that we die in Christ, we will perform greater miracles than we have ever done in the time before. God has a redemption plan for you and I. None of us is perfect. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We're all sinners. Some of us are down in the pits, some of us are recovering, and some of us are in the sin right now. But I want to say that God is good. He oversees. He looks away from our past. You see, in our past, in what we've gone through, God has a purpose for our lives. God begins to build purpose within our hearts. How can we minister to the drug addict if you've never been a drug addict? How can you talk to the prostitutes if you've never dealt with that kind of sin? How can you talk, how can you begin to minister to people if you don't understand sin yourself? If you don't understand the bondage of sin? If you don't understand the shame of sin? If you can say, brother, sister, there is no shame. The Bible tells me that I am the worst of them. I'm not here to judge you, I'm here to help you. So I, I want to point out a, a few points from, from this, from this uh, teaching that really came out to me. Number one, we are our worst enemy. Who is our worst enemy? We are our worst enemy. If we continue to allow Satan to entice us, if we allow Satan to manipulate us, it is not Satan who is my worst enemy, it is myself who is my worst enemy. Because I have not taken a firm foundation on who I am in Christ. The Bible says that there is no temptation that comes over us that we cannot overcome. 
And yet, when temptation comes our way, we give in. We fall on our knees. Oh, Lord, how could I have done that again? My strength is in the Lord. We have to realize, Romans chapter 8, verse 6 through 8 says this, The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. We are our own worst enemies. Number two, he lacked self-control. We lack self-control in our lives. If we did not lack self-control, we would be an amazing people. But because we lack self-control, we fall. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28, a man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. We are defenseless because we lack self-control. We need to understand that we need to control our thoughts, our emotions, our actions. We need to bring the impulses that we have under the control of God. Number three, he was compromising. I love James chapter 14, verse 17 says, chapter 4, verse 17 says this, so whoever knows the right thing to do and, falls, and fails to do it, for him it is sin. What areas in our lives are we compromising in? Have we conformed to, this, to the world around us? Even the smallest compromises lead to downfall. I can't tell you as a youth, as, as a youth pastor for many years, I can't tell you how many kids, and this is not, this is not an, I'm not talking to, about adult men here. I'm talking about teenage boys that have confessed to me when I was six years old, when I was eight years old, when I was nine years old, I became addicted to porn. And now, years later, it's taking control of their lives. They don't know what to do anymore. They're doing things they're not proud of. They've been found out. All because we don't take the small things. We compromise. It's just porn. It's just a small thing. It's just a lie. It's just a word of hate. It's just pride. You see, those small things, it's just a joint. I put it in my mouth, but I didn't inhale. Really, we don't understand those small things take control of our lives and then before we know it, they're overtaking our lives. We cannot compromise. We have to be a people that know that we need to stand on the word of God and we cannot compromise. Number four, he was unteachable. Proverbs 18.1 says this, A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. Samson didn't listen to anyone, nor was anybody a part of his life. We have to allow God to minister to us, whether it be through a church, whether it be through a sermon, or whether it be through a brother or sister. One thing I've loved about Sulcon is that men are coming together, sharing failures, praying for one another. 
laying hands on one another, we understand that we are not in this alone. If you're encouraging someone with a word or being encouraged with a word, we need to stand in the presence of God knowing that God, God has our best interest at heart. We have to be teachable. We have to be coachable. There's nothing worse than someone that is not coachable, that doesn't listen, that thinks they've got everything under control, that thinks that they're the best thing since, since white bread and they're going around and they're not listening to anyone. All they do is fail. Number five, he was proud. Proverbs 11, 2 says this, When pride comes, then comes shame, but wisdom is with those who have no pride. He was so proud, he didn't even realize that the Spirit of God was not with him anymore. He was so proud that everything that he had done, he thought he had done in his own might and was willing to give up his one weakness, thinking he could never lose his strength. But I love this. We're getting ready to finish up here. Judges chapter 16, verse 22. But the hair on his head started to grow again after it was cut off. This morning, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know the struggles, the trials, the hardships that you go through. I know when sin comes in, I do know this, when sin comes in, there is shame, there's guilt, there's hardship, and in most cases, there's a road to recovery. The Bible says anything done in secret will be found out. You don't believe it? Test it. Anything done in secret comes out. I want to encourage you this morning. I don't know what you're going through, and I don't know where you've been, but I do know this. God is the God of second chances. And when you think you're down and out, I want you to remember that you can do more when you die to Christ than what you can do when you're walking alone. We can accomplish more in our death to Christ than we can accomplish on our own. There is no shame in saying, God, I need you. There is no shame in saying, God, I failed you. There is a problem when we trick ourselves into thinking that we can solve our problems on our own. When we think that we don't need God, then our lives will spiral out of control with nowhere, no one left to turn to. This morning I want to encourage you and I want to, can we all stand up as we get ready to dismiss? Maybe this morning you find yourself being like Samson. You failed, you've struggled, you've had hardships in your lives. You've let God down more than once, over and over. I want to tell you that in that brokenness, 
when Samson went before God and he said, God, will you give me that strength one more time? When we can go before God and say, God, here I am. Take me, use me, lead me, guide me. I don't know where else to go. When we can begin to come to a place like that, God will begin to restore and heal us. I strongly believe that God knows what you need. I have a grandson. And I have two grandsons, but my oldest grandson can talk, so I don't know about my youngest grandson yet. But my oldest grandson, whenever he wants something, he runs to me and he lets me know what he needs. Dappy, I need the restroom. Dappy, and, and he'll just tell me everything he needs. And it brings me so much joy when he comes to me and begins to ask me for the things that he needs. I'll tell you what, there is nothing that fills my heart with more joy than to see my grandson run in my house and run past everyone else and run right up to me and give me the tightest hug. Daffy, I've missed you so much. You're my best friend. Man, I tell you what, it warms my heart. That boy has my heart. You know, we need to do that with God also. Run past everything else in our lives and say, God, here I am. I need you. I've missed you. Will you help me? God, and just begin to weep before him and say, God, whatever it is, here I am, God. He knows what you need. I know what my grandson needs. But when I hear it, the Bible says if any one of us would ask our fathers for a loaf of bread, wouldn't they give it to us? How much more would God be willing to give us when we run to him? This morning I want our prayer team to come up. If that's you this morning and you've been in a place where you have not been pleasing to God, you have turned your back on God, you've been hurt with the sin that you've been in, I want to tell you what, there's no shame. Because this morning there's redemption. There's redemption in his name. There's redemption in his presence. You don't have to come to the front and confess to anyone what you have done. All you need to do is confess to God. We don't want to hear your confession. What we want to do is we want to pray with you. We want to pray over you. We want to pray that God would empower you to stand up to the enemy. That the nagging in your life would stop. And that you could begin to hear the voice of God again. This morning, if that's you, we want to invite you to the front. As we sing a song and we're getting ready to dismiss, we want to invite you to the front. We want to pray with you. Samson's victory didn't come because he was prideful. His victory came because he went before God and called upon him to return to him the strength that he lost, to return to him the spirit that is so far from him. This morning, maybe you need shackles. There's a word that's just been coming to me the whole, the whole time I've been teaching this morning. Shackles. Some of us are tied up to our sin. We're tied to our sin. We don't want to let it go. God wants to break those shackles. 
God wants to break those shackles. If that's you, we want to pray with you this morning. You know, this morning, our pastor's not with us. It's such an honor to stand up here before you. I know when he's not here, we miss him. Um, if you're, you're here for the first time, I am not the pastor. I'm just an elder um, filling in in his absence. But we need to lift up our pastor. I listened to him. I think we listened to him on Monday night as, as, as a group of elders. He has such a big heart for this church. He wants the spirit. His desire was, his one desire in prayer was that he wants to see signs, wonders, and miracles flowing in this church. He wants this to be the, Acts, the book of Acts church. That we would be laying hands on the sick and they would recover. That we would be laying hands on the blind and they would see once again. That we would be laying hands on the demon possessed and they would flee. God is so good. This morning, can we go bow our heads as we go before the Lord in dismissal? Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before your presence. I pray that your spirit would move upon our hearts and upon our minds. Lord, that you would guide us to your throne. That you would take us into your very presence, dear God. That there would be no shame, Lord. No guilt. Lord, that we could call upon you with all that we have, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for restoration, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that just like Samson, Lord, you bring us back into that place of favor, dear God, Lord, that our hair begins to grow. This morning I pray for those that are struggling, dear God, that your spirit and anointing would be upon them, Lord, that you would guide them and guard them, dear God. Lord, that you would begin to break the shackles in their life, dear God. Lord, that you would begin to break the hold that sin has on our lives, dear God, Lord, that you would help us not to listen to the nagging enemy, Lord, and give in to his ways, but, Lord, that we would stand up strong before you, dear God. Lord, that when temptation comes our way, Lord, that we could call on your word, that we would seek you, Lord, that you would deliver us, dear God. I thank you this morning, Lord, for every individual in this place, Lord. We ask that your spirit would be upon them, Lord, that you guard their hearts and guard their minds. Lord, that as we depart this place this morning, Lord, that we could put on the, for the rest of the week, for the rest of the month, dear God, Lord, that we would put on those, the full armor, dear God, Lord, the breastplate of righteousness, Lord, that we would put on the belt of truth, dear God, Lord, that we would take off that shield, dear God, that we would be ready, Lord, for whatever the enemy throws our way, dear God, and that we would prepare our hearts with your word to combat the enemy and his arrows, dear God, Lord. I thank you this morning, Lord. We bless you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We thank you for your unconditional love. We thank you for your blood that has been shed for our sins. In Jesus' name, amen.